Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music, and I love those that create it. Yeah, welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. It is Ted Stryker, and can you believe it? Flavor Flav is my guest today. I love Public Enemy. Flavor Flav is the greatest hype man of all time. Not a sidekick. He's a hype man. He's a performer. And Flavor Flav to me is just as important as Chuck D when you're talking about Public Enemy. Flavor Flav's voice and performance balanced everything out. If you look back, here's something for you to do. If you look back at some of the older Tuna on Toast episodes, not every single one, but on my YouTube channel, Tuna on Toast with Stryker. If you zoom in behind me, that's where I keep all my little tchotchkes and things that I like in life. You can see my cassette tape of It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Flavor Flav is awesome, man, to sit down. And again, this is a mini episode. I think we could have easily gone like 60 minutes. And I also think once he kind of knew that I knew public enemy stuff and NWA and hip hop in the 80s and 90s and rock music, I mean, there's some really cool stories in here. Also, the Foo Fighters chatter that we have. I'm not going to give everything away. You should know this, though. Flavor Flav has a new song. It's called Everywhere, Man, because Flavor Flav is everywhere, man. And one more thing before we get to the episode, if you could do me a solid. I mean, just listening to my podcast is enough, but I have learned a lot over the last three months, especially. If you can write a one-sentence authentic review about Tuna on Toast and give it five stars, it really helps in all possible ways. And again, a friendly reminder, you can watch all of these episodes on my YouTube channel, Tuna on Toast with Stryker, and without any further ado, please welcome Rock and Roll Hall of Famer from Public Enemy, Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav is here. In the building, right here with you, G. All right. Thank you for being on my podcast. I appreciate that. Come on, man. I'm trying to strike just like you. We got the new song that you dropped called Everywhere, man. How did this one come together? Chuck D is on. It features Chuck D. Yeah, well, well, you know, being that I've been everywhere and I be everywhere and I'm going to be everywhere. You know, my partner, Chuck D, you know, he's always ahead of his time. You know what I'm saying? Always ahead of the time and everything. And he came up with this idea that I should do a song about me being everywhere because I am everywhere. So we sat down together. Chuck came up with these verses. You know what I'm saying? And I got on in the studio, laid them down. So, yup, this song was definitely written by my partner, Chuck D. He writes it, not recites it. When you guys were in the room together, were you getting flashbacks from the day you guys first got together and you were making songs as public enemies? Honestly, to tell you the truth, anytime I'm in a room with Chuck and we're doing something together, writing something together, I always get those flashbacks of us back in the day when we were creating our Yo Bum Rush the Show album. Which is your debut album. I yeah. love that. And it takes a nation of millions to hold us back right yes. after that. And everyone knew who Public Enemy was. In the moment making the music you were making, did you think, this stuff's going to live forever. We're going to have an impact on society today and in 2024. We never thought about it. We were just more like Nike. Just do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we were just living for the moment. You know what I'm saying? We didn't know that those moments would end up being the moments that helped change the world. 
or help change the music game or help change society. We didn't know. All we were doing was just what we do best by creating and having fun. Why do you think you and Chuck created the style of music you did with the political and the social messages when you could have made any style of music and delivering different messages? Well, back in the days when we first started putting out our records, you know, we were we were known to be the first group to really put out a put out a whole album with samples and everything, you know. All we were doing really was just being creative and everything, you know what I'm saying? Um, we didn't really have any idea of how big of an impact that it would make on people. And when we were making these songs, Striker, we were making them for the radio station that we were on for Delphi University. So it's a college radio station, right? right? Yes, yeah, called WBAU from Adelphi University. And we were really making uh, our music for the radio station, but Jam Master J and, and DMC from Run DMC yes. talked Chuck into putting Public Enemy Number 1 out on Def Jam. The next thing you know, when we did that, all of the other songs that we had created for the station... We put those on the album, too. And then we also created extra songs for the album as well. So you were playing your own music because you worked at the radio station. Yeah. And then what led to other stations saying, okay, there's something going on here with Public Enemy? Well, I think that they understood the message that we were coming with. And not only that, but the begging music that the bomb squad that we right. were putting together. You know what I'm saying? Us as the bomb squad. You know, uh, we were putting together, you know, music in a ways where other people wasn't. You know what I'm saying? That's why, like, I take my boy Ice Cube, for instance, from NWA. Yes. When he wanted, when he went solo, he wanted a different sound. So he wanted to take his West Coast lyrics, putting it over some some East Coast music. So he ended up calling us, the Bomb Squad, to produce his first album, America's Most Wanted. Right. And boy, did that album hit home. It did. When it came right. out, yeah. Did you have love for N.W.A. when they first appeared on your I radar? sure did, man. I had mad love for N.W.A. Come on, man. And not only that, but back in the days, we all toured together, oh, too. Oh, you did? Really? Republic Enemy, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, wow. um, Slick Rick, Salt and Pepper. We all were on a tour together. J.J. Fad. Oh we were God. all on the tour together, you know what I'm saying? And there were times, man, when me and Easy e used to hang out. You know, that was my dude, man. Eric Wright, I miss him too. That was my dude. When you would just have conversations with Easy e what was his vibe like? What did you guys talk about? Hey, the business, I, life, I, nah, music? Nah, man, all we do was just hang out after the shows, after we have our concerts and our shows. I mean, you know, but we were boys, too, you know what I'm saying? Hanging out, you know, going to restaurants and stuff together, all of that great stuff. You know, just a typical, you know, the typical friendship thing. Flavor Flav, do you recall any rock bands that first reached out to you guys in the late 80s that said, holy crap, you guys are incredible. You're like punk rock meets rock, but it's hip-hop all in one. <laughs> who reached out and who loved you guys? Well, there were a lot of rap, there were a lot of rock groups that took on to us and everything, yeah. but one rock group that really took on to us and we ended up collaborating with was Anthrax. Anthrax, of you course, know? bring the noise. Yeah, bring yes. the noise, you know what I'm saying? But way before Anthrax, 
Uh, we did, we, we, on our Yo Bum Rush the Show album, we have a song on there called Sophisticated Bitch. Okay. My boy Vernon Reed. Vernon! Yo, he did the guitars on that. And that was the, that, to me, that's, that was the first time rock really met rap. Did you see some artists as you guys were becoming bigger? You saw their performance on stage, and maybe you didn't need to do this as a group, but you're like, wow. Those guys or girls are incredible on stage. Maybe I need to pick it up 5%. Nah, no, we just, we, we, we were always in, in, in competition with our own selves. Okay. We never competed against anybody. We never tried to outdo anybody. We never tried to be better than anybody on the stage. We just wanted to be better than ourselves out there. Uh, what about Beastie Boys? Did you like man, the Beastie Boys? Yeah, okay, come on, man. I miss the boys. Yeah. I miss the boys. Because mm. let me tell you something. Come, talking about the Beastie Boys, I remember when I took my first airplane flight. Yo, check this out, Striker. The first time I ever been on a plane ever in my life, Hank Shockley and Chuck D took me to LaGuardia Airport. We got on a Northwest Airline, yeah. and we had to fly to Detroit. <laughs> To open up for the Beastie Boys at the Fox Theater. I'll never forget it. Wow. You know, and we did it. You know what I'm saying? So, so after we did that, then later on, we had to open up for them again in Passaic, New Jersey. And around that time, we were wearing stopwatches. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We were wearing stopwatches. So back in my neighborhood, Striker, we always played the dozens. You know what I'm saying? So I got my boy, son of Berserk. His name is Tony Allen, T.A., you know? This lady came through our projects with this big box of shower clocks that she stole from Fortune off. So he took the stopwatch off my neck and put the clock around my neck. Everybody was laughing. Ha, 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 ha. Yo, we dare you to wear that during the show on stage. If you dared Flav to do something around that time, Flav would do it. So check this out, Striker. We went and opened up for the Beastie Boys again in Passaic, New Jersey. And after that show, I wore the clock. After that show, the next morning, we got the newspaper clippings back. We was on the front page of the New York Times, the New York, I mean, the Daily News, yeah. Newsday, all of the New York papers. And the look of the clock was dope. So we decided to keep it. And if you look wow. at some of our early public enemy photos, you'll see Chuck D was wearing a clock, too. Thank you for sharing that. What a story. So, hey, all of that came from you mentioning Beastie the Boys. Beastie Boys, who are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. NWA is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Public Enemy is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Did that mean something to you when you got inducted? Uh, it meant a lot. It, it really meant a lot to me. Um, I just want to say, before I go there, yeah. let me finish telling you one thing, right? Please. By me being on out there with the Beastie Boys, because Public Enemy was always a pro-black pro radical rap group, right? And I was the only one from my group out there on the Beastie Boys stage, slipping and sliding around Budweiser beer. You know what I'm saying? In the whole nine. And I really feel, I really feel that by me doing that broke the racial barrier mm. in rap music. 
You know what I'm saying? By me being the only you black were man, accepting them, on, you were out there, yes. which meant it's okay to like. Them. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that's what broke the racial barrier. Now going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let me tell you something, man. It it, it was definitely uh, an immaculate feeling. You know, it was a very rewarding feeling. I know that um, there's a lot of people in music that won't make it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but there's a lot of people in music that will make it because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame got to keep going and going and going. When it was our turn, man, I was like, wow, this... <laughs> It was unbelievable, you know. And right now, I ain't gonna lie, but I'm still trying to soak it up. All of these years later, I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying? I can see the smile on your face. Yeah, it's a huge deal, and you guys deserved it. It's a bragging right for me. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Because yeah. I know one thing: a lot of the people that won't make it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'm sorry to say, but I ain't got that problem. Because you're in it. <laughs> I'm already in, baby. I done made my mark. <laughs> Word up, G. We are in the building. Us, Rush, Donna Summer. Oh, man. Oh, a lot of a lot of other groups that from way before Public Enemy Correct. got in with us. Yes. And I'm like, man, it took them all these years to get in, but we're getting in a lot sooner. Man, that's a blessing. In Vegas a few months ago, I saw Flavor Flay there, and I saw you talking to the Foo Fighters. Did you discuss music? Is there a potential for a collab, Foo Fighters, and you? I'm hoping so. You know, there's this song that I have called Hits, okay. The Hits. You know, my boy Sam Holland to produce the track, and I ain't going to lie, but this track is a banger. The song is a banger. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, I I, I presented uh, I went and asked David Grohl. I went and asked Dave Grohl, yo man would y'all hop on this record with me and everything? Okay. David Grohl said, hey, we would love to. So when I heard that, I never took gymnastics, but yeah. I was flipping. <laughs> I was flipping, bro. I'm like, wow. So that would be a great collaboration, man, it you would. know, to, to do it. With uh, with the Foo Fighters. When I think about your voice and Chuck D's voice, then I think about like the guys from Cypress Hill, and I think about my friends from Lincoln Park, Chester Bennington, God rest his soul, and these two different voices that come together to be so cohesive. Did anyone early on say, this is too different, no one's ever going to want to buy a record like this? Nah, I mean, you know... Put it this way, no yeah. matter what anybody else think, we're still going to do what we got to do anyway, whether they like it or not. You know what I'm saying? And once we put it out, if you like it, you do. If you don't, there's other people that will. You know what I'm saying? Like that. And it sounds like you stuck to the path that you wanted to be on. And as a result of that, there was no cheating. There was no fake. There was It was all authentic and real. And that lives forever, which is why you're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and why I'm so freaking excited to be next to you, man. Thank hey, you. Hey, you know what? What? And the result of all of that yep. has me ending up on your show. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Everywhere, man. Flavor Flav. I am Stryker. I'm so grateful that I got to sit with you, man. And That's that right. Everywhere, man, right here, Flavor Flav, everywhere, man, is going to be striking you. That's another episode of Tune on Toast. Happy snuggles. Bye-bye. That's another episode of Strikers Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. <laughs> Maybe.